Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Real Economist coming to you live on this edition of V for Velas. Velas is with us. He needs no introduction. He is the preeminent dark lord of the deep state himself, the one who is behind <laughs> the scenes getting all the info. Uh, so you make sure you guys are locked and loaded here. You can find them over at the Discord. For the Discord channel, I guess you can either email CJ or click the link on the Discord link that should be on the roguenews.com website. And we are still evolving, so uh, uh, bear with us as we go through this uh, transformation. And with that being said, Velas, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good morning, V. Good morning. And uh, greetings to all of you out there uh, as we broadcast from the Midwest where We've been digging out of both uh, some sleet and snow. And as I always tell my friends in the deep south, sleet, you can sort of manage. Uh, but when you get a good Midwestern ice storm, you just need to stay where you are, which we yeah. didn't really have that problem. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're, st- we're still digging out out here. And of course, typical of the, uh, of the universe, um, you know, by Tuesday, it's supposed to be 40 degrees, which means half, half of this is going gonna, is gonna to melt. But uh, yeah. yeah, on a positive note, I just got two little notifications in the corner of my browser indicator of my screen indicating that both Twitch and DLive uh, are live. So, uh, and I noticed Mac Truck Huge and Gilbert Nowak, you're in Biden. Biden sucks stuff. So, so. (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. Hey, Dixie's in the house. Jack Relu, that's Dixie. Bilage guy, rumors have Velas is buying lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you lost a bet. Bill Bill does a good job of keeping me honest, especially on the Sunday night discussions. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, there's lots going on. It seems as yep. if overnight we've had the uh, the premiere of uh, of or what do we call the governor, or whatnot of Alberta, saying that next week all the restrictions to the to COVID is going to be gone. President uh, President Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in hiding somewhere, and he's he's he had. I mean, in his recent press conference, he had his Hillary Clinton deplorables moment where he absolutely alienated himself. He's being embarrassed at a grand scale. You and I both know there's some private, like the real powers behind the scene wants this guy gone. They they want to embarrass him. Uh, Lots of things going on. Uh, The Netherlands, the old Scandinavian countries, the Netherlands, uh, Denmark, uh, Sweden, Finland. All the COVID restrictions are gone. The end of COVID passports, it is collapsing one by one. And all the things that are happening here domestically, I don't know where you want to begin. It is a big bowl of yarn, my friend. Where do you want to start? We we got a lot we're going to cover today. And and all of you can breathe a sigh of relief because, as I said on last week, well, as I said on last week's show, there'd be no show this week. And then (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a type A OCD, I reached out to to, uh, V and to – CJ and I said, "Hey, would it, would it be okay if I came on on Friday?" Sure, man, come on back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it won't be it won't be what we had last week. This will be uh, more of my uh, normal, you know, government overthrows and, and just general evil in the world rather than what we had before. But <clears throat> I've got some interesting stuff, and please, everybody, bear with 
me personally because we're using uh, a new broadcast tool and I'm a little new at this. So I'm gonna try and present, not videos, but I've got some images and things. So just uh, uh, bear yeah, with the, me here. If you wanna share the screen, the, the share screen button on the bottom. And you, you, you uh, get, you yeah, yeah. And uh, so to V's point, yeah. And, and uh, you know, Justin Trudeau right now reminds me for any of you who know uh, old television, uh, the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. uh, the black and white ones, not the color ones from the 1980s. Um, the, the one about, uh, it had Burgess Meredith in it, where he's a librarian, and this, this kind of fascist government has you appear before this big tribunal, and they tell Burgess Meredith, you're obsolete. And he's like, but I'm a librarian. And they're like, well, we, we don't allow books anymore, so you no longer serve a purpose. Right. So we have to kill you. And so Burgess Meredith does this thing where he says, well, I want it televised. And they're like, oh, that's fantastic. That'll really show the power of the state. And of course, what happens? Well, he he invites the minister who told him that he's obsolete to his own execution and then locks the door. And in the 11th hour, he lets the guy go. And so then the, the final scene of the episode is the guy is walking in to work. And there's a different person now sitting at the top of the judge's uh, platform where he normally would sit. And all of the government people are looking at him saying, you're obsolete because you've embarrassed us. And, you know, he gets killed at the end of the episode. And this is how I feel about Trudeau, because you have so many powerful people in the world where regardless of how it happened, you know, um, I always joke with friends of mine who go to Italy on vacation or whatever, or Greece. And I was, you know, and I, I have Italian and Greek friends, um, not just Gus, but <laughs> I, always, I always tell them, look, if you're going to a Mediterranean country on vacation, and this is, this is pre-COVID, um, you, you need to factor in another week. Because, you know, the taxi cab drivers will be on strike. And then when they're not on strike, then the hotel operators will be on strike. And the list goes on. It's just kind of a thing in that part of the world. So whether it was your transportation workers, in this case, long haul truck drivers, whether it was uh, shutting down public transportation systems in Europe, like the metro, whatever whatever workforce or, or element of your society it may have been. You've got people that literally started, and the other thing too is Western Canada politically, socially is very different than Eastern Canada. In fact, there's always been jokes that Canada's two westernmost provinces, um, especially I'm trying to think back in the 1990s, there was a rumor that if Quebec actually pulled out of Canada, that uh, Canada's two westernmost provinces were going were gonna to seek to become protectorates of the United States. And this is no joke, and eventually become U.S. states. Um, because they're just simply more in alignment with the Western United States than they are Eastern Canada. Right. So granted, you know, this effort started in, in Western Canada, but it's in winter, they drove across the whole country and they've tied up traffic and they've tied up the capital and they forced Trudeau to hide. I mean, the man is literally in hiding from his own people. And speaking loosely of the globalists, <laughs> I cannot imagine anything that would enrage them more then now this is, you know, for those of you that have been on Discord and we're, we're just, you know, I say this every week, we're blowing the crap out of Discord, folks. Um, for any of you who've been on the Discord page, there's all sorts of wonderful links and, and it's not me, it's all of you, as I often say, this has become organic. Um, so many excellent links to Belgium, to the Netherlands, to France, to Italy, the list goes on, around the world, 
various transportation workers tying everything up. And it's like now, now you've got world leaders who are their backs are against the wall, which you have to be careful about that. Yep. But you've got world leaders who are facing an insurrection by their own populace. And I'll be candid, in my own opinion, they're not as concerned about the coup because the coup is kind of, it served its purpose. They're moving into Correct. something else. But they're terrified of what this might do if people start reacting to all of this green energy and um, uh, the resetting of the global economy and similar. Uh, because as we've already seen in the case of Germany and other countries, uh, any countries who've started shutting down their nuclear power plants, anything uh, dear guy, hot pillage guy. God love that man. Keep him moving, General. Man, that eloquent has to be saved. Um, if if people around the world start finding that their power is going out, you know, at the height of summer, at the height of winter. Yeah. If uh, and granted, you know, it's creature comfort. I get it. You know, plan ahead. But if these governments start cracking down on this new economic model and people start feeling the pain. Now, now they have a model that they can follow. You know, they've, they've figured it out. So one of my topics for today is, as we get going into this is I'm going to talk about something I rarely do. And I know the media the last 24 hours is really, um, what do you call it? Uh, revolutionary bliss. I'd send CJ an email on that or post it on CJ's section. I like your idea though, about a page for movies and similar. Because uh, God knows I'm a blow, I'm a blow that one up too. Um, <laughs> I, I rarely go into the stock world, folks, and I got this from others before it hit the fans. So I was kind of once again disappointed that you know Daily Mail and others were, were covering this quite extensively late last night, this morning. But um, you know, Facebook, aka Meta, and all these disclosures about people who are being assaulted in the metaverse. We've got various scandals and then missed earnings. Wednesday, the second of this week, the stock was $323 a share. Thursday, it was $238 a share. I mean, holy crap, how is Zuckerberg still there? Yeah. Um, and I posted Thursday night uh, on the Velas page, um, hashtag Velas, uh, an article about, you know, the terrible year. He said, but I mean, $100 on a, on a several hundred dollar stock, stock share in one day. I mean, one day. F- f- 15 God. minutes to be exact. In literally 15 minutes. It was ridiculous. Unbelievable. Yes, hobo servants. Many, many crazy Ivans going on. So uh, it's been a while since I've done the memory hole. So let me do the memory hole. Um, We have no answers on Nashville's thermobaric explosion in December of 2020, uh, nor the French OVH cloud hosting firm who lost their data center in the fire in March of 2021. Um, We've mentioned Julian Assange before. he, you know, may or may not be traveling to the United States or Australia, depending on what happens with the uh, uh, Virginia Guthrie trial, as well as the now appeal uh, by Ghislaine Maxwell because of the jurors. Um, we do not know what happened to Judge Salas, uh, who was hearing the case on Epstein's assets with Deutsche Bank. She lost her son and her, her husband was shot uh, when that was going down. Um, let us not forget about the reporter, Michael Hastings, who oh, died yeah. in Los Angeles back in 2013. You remember him? He was the Absolutely. guy whose car exploded before he hit anything. Yep. They had it on film. Um, 
he was digging into WikiLeaks drops about government research into a wide variety of crazy stuff. Uh, just one of those is something called the QNX, uh, Quebec November X-ray operating system. QNX. Developed hmm. by BlackBerry, which is, drum roll, used in <laughs> ventilators. <laughs> Get out of here. No. Used in vents? Yes, he, he that was one of the one of the things that operating system was used for is in medical ventilators, which became quite a big item several years later. Uh, wow. What is the true backstory into the government's uh, use of the Promise software? That was Danny Casalaro, among others. That was Danny was the researcher who died under unbelievably <laughs> obvious circumstances. Um, and similar or in that same neighborhood is somebody I haven't mentioned before on the memory hall, um, which is what role did that topic have in the death of Gary DeVore? Gary was the guy known as the writer with no hands. Um, found him in the front seat of his vehicle, Ford Explorer, uh, I think about a year or two after he disappeared in a aqueduct out in California that there's no Christian way he could have possibly gotten the vehicle where they found it. And he had no hands. Uh, there's a book by the same name about him. Uh, for those of you who are science fiction fans of Babylon five, um, yeah. and Balazs guy, I know you're laughing right now. Um, uh, Gary at one point was, was the ex-husband of Claudia Christian who was in that TV oh. show. I saw an interview with her wow. when she was, when she was taught, there's actually a documentary out there by a, by a, I think a British guy uh, about Gary and, and Claudia was one of the people they interviewed. Uh, as part of that documentary. Um, Bill Gates is still trying to block the sun. That is not a joke. Uh, this guy's such wants, a moron. He wants to block the sun in the interest of global warming. Uh, a group of scientists who, by the way, are, are you know, cut and dried science people. They're, they're not necessarily kind of in the alt world. Uh, but even run-of-the-mill scientists are trying to block his experiments just simply because they're batshit crazy. Uh, I posted on Velis on Thursday the 3rd about that. Oh, and remember... Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates do donated $304 million to the Imperial College of London uh, since 2002. That's the same organization where Neil Ferguson was working. Neil mm. was the guy whose science-based models were behind. Five the million dead in one week yeah. in the UK. That guy. That was, that hold hold on to that. Let me go sleep with my mistress while everybody's locked down. I'll be back. Uh, that guy. That guy. Uh, they based everything they were doing on that guy's models. And, and Jackass. He should be taken out in the back of a tool shed and beaten within an inch of his life. And, and very funny, very funny, Balazs guy. I knew that was coming. Um, a uh, a follow up to the January twenty first and twenty eighth um, shows I did. Uh, the recent departure of Jeff Zucker. Uh, some inter over at CNN. I mean, I is know. there any honor among thieves? It's like the well, Cuomo clan. You got the Zuckers. I mean, <laughs> well, and then Brian Stelter and, throwing uh, Cuomo under the bus again. <laughs> yeah, well, and I've I've got something for you, folks. Um, yeah. Bear with me. Um, in 2012, CNN ran a piece titled "Do Pedophiles Deserve Sympathy?" Oh then, in December of 2021. CNN fired John Griffin, a producer working with Chris Cuomo, because he was bragging about seducing girls as young as seven. Now we have Jeff Zucker's recent departure. And who did Jeff Zucker's wife used to hang around with? So bear with me while I share my screen and hopefully...
Is that displaying? V. Can you hear me? V. <laughs> okay, would one of you nice folks let me know if you can hear me? Oh, dear. Oh, okay, good. You guys can't hear me. Okay, thank you. Okay. We lost V, so I'll just keep cruising, and I'm going to post the photo uh, on the uh, Discord. Um, this would have been really dramatic if, <laughs> if I had been able to get it to appear. Um, anyway, I've got a photo here of Jeff Zucker's wife, Carolyn. Um, uh, she used to hang out with Gisley and Maxwell pretty frequently. So, and then I had another item, which I'm going to skip because uh, I don't want to risk blowing up the, the tool here. Um, so, two rather stunning pieces from Mike Moore um, at True Pundit this week. Uh, the first was an English researcher, I assume he was English, who was, uh, Mike had the, the video uh, feeds of this. Uh, it's an English researcher out in the field in Africa or Australia. And he said something very interesting about peer-reviewed science articles. Uh, and this is particularly important when it comes to the, the COOF topic. Um, he commented loosely that, that the person that was walking with him out in the bush said, you know, what are your thoughts on um, peer-reviewed science articles? And he basically said, they're full of shit. And he said, peer-reviewed journals, often but not always, are an echo chamber of people who believe the same stuff. So his comment was, um, we didn't achieve the light bulb because the best candle makers in the world came up with it. His comment was, it's the fringe of research who always comes up with new material. And that's a very good point uh, in understanding why among science-believing practitioners, it was the fringe, if you will, who were the folks using the government's own data and came back and said, I think these shots uh, are harmful. Um, and of course, the well-funded medical people from big pharma-sponsored um, academic programs are the ones preventing that data from being published in peer-reviewed journals. Uh, and as you often hear me say, uh, V, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, buddy. I'm, okay, bro. You probably um, hear an echo. Do you, anybody hear an echo? There's no echo. Right, I don't right. hear an echo. Right, okay. Cool. Um, and, and as I've said before, I'm not an uninterested party in this narrative about uh, peer-reviewed anything. Um, and it isn't because of medical science, but because it's for decades I've been involved in, you know, amateur archaeology. I've gone to other countries and looked at sites myself, as well as here in the United States. Um, if it was not for small publishing houses, we never would have received the books and the work, you know, by Graham Hancock, Robert Schock, Freddie Silva, among many, many, many other authors. If it wasn't for YouTube, uh, we wouldn't have heard from geologists like Randall, Randall Carlson, who, although he's a bit quirky, um, 
he's really been banging on the drum about the way the world was after the great melt during the last ice age, because a lot of people have said, well, uh, you know, you had these uh, ice dams that melted and it released a lot of water. Well, Carlson's a geologist and he's like, the amount of energy released is way beyond an ice dam. And so what he's been pointing to is, is a lot of archeological uh, history and so on that we have, and a lot of damage, if you will, on the earth preceded the ice age, AKA the theory about the younger Dryas and what may have led to the catastrophe that caused the ice ages in the, in the first place. The other person or clip that Moore had on yesterday was from Branford Marcellus. He's the, the famous African-American saxophonist and jazz musician. And when he was asked, um, what have you learned from your new students, you know, that come to play with you and, and learn from you? And I'm quoting, um, this is a quote, their heads are full of doctrine and shit. They just want me to reinforce to them why they're right. They want me to tell them how great they are because they think I'm afraid I'll lose them to other schools who will tell them what they want to hear. Mm. You know, like Harvard giving students bees out of fear that they're going to leave. Right. And then this, is, this is the big one. And I'm quoting the idea of what you are is more important to many in today's generation than who you really are, mm. which only works if everyone goes along with it. And if you don't go along with it, evidently here in the United States now as a country, we'll beat you down until you comply. None of these students I'm seeing are willing to work to achieve who they think they already are. And that's pretty big. And those were both very important and very interesting takeaways about the scientific community in general, as well as the state we're in. And I, I admit I kind of lost a little bit on the peer-reviewed topic, but he's he's absolutely right. Um, peer-reviewed often means peer-approved, peer and that's the problem. And this gets into the FDA again. Um, we've had top people leave the FDA, uh, and then it was announced on February 2nd, which was utterly stunning, and um, it's out of blacklistednews.com. I think I posted it on the Bell's page. February 2nd. Um, the FDA admitted they took money from Pfizer to help them manage their operations and administrative work on disclosure of the prior drug approvals because the agency just can't seem to come up with where all that data is without taking money from, from Pfizer in order to do it. It's been said by many, uh, and I'll reinforce it, the Food and Drug Administration at this point is a rubber stamp of approval. Correct. For nearly any drug coming from Big Pharma. Now, I mentioned this uh, and I'm not dispensing medical device. This is public domain information. Um, but I mentioned on a prior show, uh, I had been involved with a, with a small consulting firm that works in the manufacturing space. And one of the areas they asked me to develop uh, an outline for them to use in providing their services to various manufacturers who needed their, their input was on medical manufacturing, which is different than, quote unquote, you know, other types of traditional manufacturing or consumer product development that's out there. And it's because of the heavy regulatory nature of what goes on. And I'm talking about everything from uh, manufacturing a scalpel to manufacturing electronic equipment that monitors a patient's health to uh, the equipment that is used to develop um, pharmaceutical drugs and other things. And it was an eye opener for me 
because I, through my own research, found firsthand, and I and I had um, oh uh, Elsevier Science, who's part of the whole Read Elsevier group, which includes Elsevier Science, it includes LexisNexis, the legal information services provider. The list goes on. Uh, I had a series of academic journals from Elsevier Science talking about the changing nature of pharmaceutical drug development, mm. and that basically at this point. You know, one of the things I mentioned also on a prior show was that um, when it came to uh, prior vaccines that were manufactured in years past, the reason why we have the vaccine adverse reaction system or VERS that I've talked about on a prior show, I went, I went in detail on a prior show about what is VERS, how's to, how does it work? People have associated it as being part of the, the KUF universe we find ourselves in. It, it goes back to 1986. And, and that really was the bellwether year that uh, the pharmaceutical firms basically got a carte blanche approval that, that no one's ever going to sue you. Now, what would happen in the old days is, is a drug would go to market, or before it went to market, pardon me, and they had clinical trials. They would test out the side effects because it's a vaccine. There's going to be side effects. And they would document those and they would articulate and say, okay, and this is where the, the tables in the vaccine adverse reaction system come into play. Uh, did somebody die from this drug? Because our data shows that there's X percentage chance that may happen. So if you did die and you submit a claim, we'll pay you because you can't sue the pharmaceutical firm. But here's how much money you get because we have all this data. If you get violently sick or a skin rash or whatever it might be, here's what you get paid or here's the other compensation the government will provide you because we know this is going to happen. But over the last few years, especially in the case of vaccines and other drugs, we don't have that kind of lead time. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of you're putting a car out on a car dealership to sell it to the public and the EPA hasn't had a chance to see what its mileage is. Uh, the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration, NHTSA, has not had a chance to do any sort of safety testing. We don't even know if the seatbelts work. It's just start driving it and see see how it goes. It may blow up. We don't know. Um, it's it's the same thing now. And the FDA, who is receiving in the old days, they received a lot of funding, but not all all funding to keep their operations going. At this point, they're almost. Um, what do you call it, completely funded by the pharmaceutical industry. And, and now it's, it's so blunt that Pfizer is just giving them money. But what was the a, attachment or the uh, agreement that was reached when Pfizer gave them that money that the FDA would delay, say it with me, because we went through this whole thing where Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, and similar litigation was brought against the FDA. We want to know what criteria you used. We want to see the meeting minutes of how you approved these KUF inoculations. And they did what? Well, it'll take us 55 years to give you that answer. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest go get bent uh, from a federal agency I've seen in years. So the judge eventually said, no, that's bullshit. You guys need to come up with this data. So what's happened? The FDA was forced to comply. Okay. But the agency needed money in order to do that. So they took money from Pfizer. And what was Pfizer's, you know, agreement to give them that money? You have to delay the results. So we're, 
we're, we're back at ground zero. And again, just a reminder about the FDA. When the opiate crisis was ripping its way across this country and out here in the Midwest because of our manufacturing past, we have a lot of people whose bodies are pretty banged up from a number of different industries and they're in a lot of pain. And so we gave them ever increasing levels of painkillers based on opiate drugs, which are basically heroin derivatives. And was it FDA investigations that shut them down or caused people to understand? You know, it's like, oh, we have an opiate crisis. It's like, wait a minute. We overmarketed the heck out of those drugs to the public. And we had sales quotas that were insane that people had to, to reach for each of these pharmaceutical firms. And um, help me, V, who was the financial guy that ran the big Ponzi scheme? One of his sons killed himself several years later. Harry Markopoulos was the guy that, that was investigating him. He escapes me at the moment. Bernie Madoff? Thank you, sir. Much like Bernie Madoff, folks. The SEC didn't stop Bernie Madoff. Nobody did. And Correct. the worst part is Madoff was on the, the committees from the Securities and Exchange Commission to look into wrongdoing. And he had his kid, or I'm sorry, had his daughter's son on one of these committees. No government agency stopped Bernie Madoff. It was an incredibly wacky Greek accountant, financial analyst, who's a totally functioning savant. But Markopoulos, who's now described as a superhero to people in the CPA profession who don't get much love, um, Harry Markopoulos, by the way, who what several about a year or so ago on one of our shows, what did I bring up? I said, Harry Markopoulos, anybody remember who Harry Markopoulos is? And he's, he was talking about what, I think there's something terribly wrong with general electric. And GE went absolutely batshit crazy and said, yeah. we don't know what the hell, I mean, we respect Harry. I mean, of course he, he brought down Bernie Madoff, but we, you know, and of course what happened several months ago, GE is a company essentially no longer exists. GE is GE aircraft engines. And the medical side of the house and the industrial side of the house are now independent divisions. So it's like, yeah, Harry once again nailed it. But the agency didn't do anything. It was Harry. So in the case of the FDA and the opiate crisis, what happened there? Well, sure as heck wasn't a government agency doing their job. It was people bringing litigation. Balazs guy, I'm looking in your general direction once again. And that's what caused it to surface. And what happened? Did the corporations get nailed? Eh, not exactly. We had some powerful families who had out-of-court settlements with the government. We've got some people trying to, to challenge some of those. But in the final analysis, they all got paid, uh, never admitted wrongdoing, and just kind of said, well, that was all really unfortunate. And this is where Mike Moore's position over a true pundit, you know, Mike's, uh, Mike's take was, uh, at this point, you can't trust anything the FDA is approving which is kind of sad, which means, you know, purely my opinion, I'm not dispensing medical advice. I'm not a medical professional, not claiming to be. Um, but it's like at this point, unless a drug you're receiving is pre 2015, let's say anything that's new, <laughs> I don't know because Moore is very blunt in how he looks at the world. And I got to give him credit because he's got good sources. He's got good people. He runs a great show. It's always about how they're going to make money off of us. And so will Koof be realized to have been an unbelievable scam? Who knows? But even if it does, 
There's going to be legal agreements. There's going to be protections. There's going to be, oh, yeah. geez, that was really unfortunate. That's not going to cause Pfizer, which we've talked about on this show on numerous occasions, Pfizer, who went from $40 billion in revenue in one year to $80 billion this year, Pfizer's not going to, whoops, our bad, hand $40 billion over to the government and say, you know, it's really immoral of us to keep the money. Moderna, V has said it many times, I've said it a couple of times, Moderna, who had never had an approved drug until, drum roll, we got this latest drug, which caused them to go from $60 million in revenue to roughly, I forget what it was, like $3 couple or $4 billion. Billion. Yeah. yeah. And of course, what did I cover on another <laughs> show? If you dig and dig and dig and dig, and again, credit where credit is due, God love Polly St. George, the amazing Polly up there in Canada, because she did an in-depth research into it. And what did she find? Well, holy crap, and throw me in it. Uh, it was none other than Google's investment arm yeah. that backed the whole Moderna drug. So um, I've got a clip, and I'm afraid to play it, V, because I feel... No, you can play it. You're, I think you're good. Okay, let me... <laughs> hit hit uh, share screen. Yeah, let me get it. Let me uh, Audio. get the clip up here first. Yep. Now, bear with me, folks, because I'm going to close some things here. Okay. Some somewhat embarrassing, everybody, because um, this is my first time using this tool. Um, see here okay okay yes you can see my screen bingo screens up buddy okay this will be a little a little wonky folks but just you can also me. pick which window if you wanted to okay all right god um I'm... We have no audio. I'm sorry. We do or don't have audio? No, we, we don't. Shoot. Let me see here. Uh, let, us, let us just say again, everybody. Um, yeah, we're still this, figuring this, this out. This is why. <laughs> we need, we need, uh, we need, <laughs> we need Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. See if you can copy and paste the link and send it to me in the private chat. And I can see if we can pull it, put it up. Okay. Yeah. And the, the link, by the way, V is pre-saved at, at a particular starting point. Okay. All right. Bear with us, folks. You're, you're, you're is, watching the live. get made. <laughs> okay, cool. okay. While V is looking for that, we'll, we'll come back to that in a bit. I'll let V go, go uh, play with that for a minute, but I want to cover with all of you. Some Ronald Reagan era, uh, era stuff and various cabals out there, globalists and their agendas, and then Donald Trump. Now, I know some things have come out about the Donald and Mike Moore showed a clip today that we also had here on Rogue the other day where, where Donald was walking into a meeting and he's standing right next to Klaus Schwab. And um, so, you know, 
noting noting that to be the case. But um, let's talk about Reagan. Anyone who tries to become a leader to help galvanize the public towards something good is always going to get compromised or taken out. Uh, we can laugh at Jesse the Body Ventura when he was governor up in Minnesota, but I mean, it's a pretty good example of what happens when a quote-unquote regular American in a role like that and what, what happens to them because we, we saw what they did to, to Ventura. And this is why um, I've noticed it on Matthew Arrett's coffee mug. And again, said by many, expressed by many, I'm just repeating what they themselves have said. All right, buddy, I got it. Is, yeah, hey, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, this thing from, from uh, Bruce Lee about you have to, to remain formless you have to be like water. Uh, that's true of all of us. And that's why this, this uh, trucker convoy up in Canada is a perfect example. And of course, I had some people reach out to me recently and say, hey, Facebook shut down the trucker convoy that wants to drive from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. And it's like, well, first of all, don't ever organize on Facebook. I mean, obviously, these people need to listen to Rogue News. We would have told them that's not the tool to use, but they will figure it out. Um, and Hobo Sermons, uh, yes, I actually was in the Minnesota airport and picked up a coffee mug that said, my governor can beat up your governor. Um, the moment, folks, we start having leaders in the alternative space who attract too much attention, things are going to get rather squirrely. Um, we can have small and medium leaders, and we need a lot of them. And we need a lot of people who are kind of probably afraid to step into a leadership role because it's like, well, I don't really see myself as a leader. And it's like, if you've got good ideas... People can help you get that done. But we need a lot of us, whether it's school boards, whether it's local government, the list goes on. So it comes to Reagan. Ronald Reagan does a great job out in California. And I monitored and, and wrote papers about Reagan in a, in a very objective way as best as I could, because I did support him. He plans out his presidential run, appears on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, the list goes on. And he wins the nomination from George Bush. Day of the nomination, he's told, you cannot go with your vice presidential choice that you want. It has to be Bush. I forget who Reagan wanted. Uh, it was somebody most people wouldn't, wouldn't really know, but he would have been a good vice president. Reagan tells his colleagues, I don't want Bush. We don't like each other. I don't like him and all of his Bechtel cronies. You know, Bechtel Corporation out there in Northern California, which has the Grove, uh, which is one of those places they meet, much like the other folks at the... Uh, ceremony of care up in Northern California where all the other folks hang out. The whole Alex Jones sneaking in into those types of meetings thing. And Reagan's like, I don't want nothing to do with those guys. Ronald Reagan meets in a hotel room the day of the nomination with a very close friend of his. And that person tells him, this isn't open for discussion, Dutch. This is what you're doing. And Reagan does his trademark. Well, okay. And he makes George Bush as vice president. And a couple of months after he takes the presidency, he's nearly killed by a lone gunman who was receiving psychological treatment from whom? This is no shit. The same therapist associated with Sirhan Sirhan. Oh, you remember God. Sirhan, don't you? Of course. Yeah, that's, that's uh, Bobby Kennedy. Yep. And of course, clinical therapists are blocked by unknown people for years from, from interviewing Sirhan. Later 1970s, early 1980s, what do these clinical therapists say about Sirhan Sirhan? 
that the guy literally has a hole in his mind that there's like another personality in there. And they are, they are convinced someone has conditioned him. And the whole oh, thing yeah. reeked of MK Ultra. Now, in classic ancient Rome fashion, our national leader, Ronald Reagan, was nearly taken out by people who support the people in his own cabinet. Reagan returns to office after the shooting with a much reduced series of goals versus the ambitions he had because he got the message. Oh, yeah. And the last thing, quote unquote, they wanted was Reagan becoming some sort of national hero. And in spite of his blocked goals, he still became the kind of inspiration that during his funeral, which I, I watched the whole thing. Same. Where Americans of every description lined the parade route for the funeral, mourning what this nation has become as much as the man. Now, some other things about Ron. First, Oliver North was quoted in the book Compromised as saying the attitude of Reagan's second term in the White House was, quote, just wind the old guy up and put him in front of the cameras with a script. He knows the score, unquote. Second, in the book Inheritance, which I've mentioned that book, was about some Canadians who came into JFK property they shouldn't have had. And they met with Reagan before the Alzheimer's really set in. And it was in that book that I found probably some of the best detail, more of the backstory, about the fact that the Assassinations Review Board, the AARB, has rules in place. It's actually a law. Every U.S. president must be debriefed if the Assassinations Review Board comes up with something new on the JFK death. Reagan had been recently debriefed about these two Canadians being in possession of certain JFK property. Now, this was obviously back in the 90s. The Canadians didn't know about the ARB review process, so they were surprised because they reached out to Reagan and thought, what are the odds he'll actually meet with us about? They were trying to set up a museum of these personal effects of JFK. And to their surprise, Reagan was willing to meet with them. Now, why does this matter? The first item is, anything at all that is new about JFK's death, all U.S. presidents must be debriefed immediately. Now, why? That seems a pretty heavy federal rule for a lone gunman. Of course, in Reagan's situation, he certainly knew something about lone gunmen. Oh, yeah. The second is, there's a law, no joke, folks, there's a law that says all of JFK's Personal effects must be locked up by the National Archives till the big release occurs. And, of course, we keep seeing in the news, we're going to release, no, we're not. We're going to release, no, we're not. Each president is like, uh, I'm going to kick the ball down the field a little bit further. You can actually go to jail if you have something of John F. Kennedy's without authorization, especially any of his personal effects that, that were from the day of the assassination itself. The only exception is anything the Kennedy family had in their possession prior to the assassination. And the Kennedys are supposed to never make those items available, with some exceptions. Now, being Canadian citizens, that made their possession of these items something tricky, because they're not U.S. citizens. Mm. Third, how the heck did the boys in the Great White North get their hands on this stuff? Well, it seems JFK's chief secretary, the rather interestingly named Miss Lincoln, for some of you who know your U.S. history, Interesting. Uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, main secretary was named Mrs. Lincoln, and hmm. Lincoln's Lincoln's primary secretary was named Mrs. Kennedy. That's no joke. Wow. 
Miss Lincoln had been holding on to some of Jack's stuff for years. She didn't tell anybody. It's all in the book. Now, there's a number of reasons why she gave these, these effects to these guys. You can go read the book and, and read about it yourself better than I can explain it here. Fourth, what's the big deal about the stuff they had? Well, it included items Jack was wearing on his person the day of the assassination, including a watch with a leather strap the day he was shot. It was a gift from Jackie to him, I think, on their first wedding anniversary. It was not a watch he normally wore. Now, let me tell you something about leather, folks. It absorbs things. So what's the scariness the powers that be are trying to prevent? They're trying to prevent any form of evidence showing there's any liquid mercury on JFK's body the day of the assassination. Because liquid mercury, for those of us that have worked with the military and so on, liquid mercury has a number of applications, especially in assassination. Because if liquid mercury gets into your bloodstream, even if you're wounded and you might survive the wound, the mercury sure as heck's going to kill you. Which would oh, wow. mean, which would mean that whoever shot him, it, it sure as heck was not what the history books tell you, that there was far more going on. And that's, that's why they, quote unquote, they have always been so worried that anybody, all of his clothing and everything else is, is supposedly never to be released to the public, even if the rest of the documentation is released. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll see. Now, the last item is, is in that book, Reagan gave the Canadians specific guidance uh, not all of which was even described in the book itself, but his comment to them when they left his library where they, they met with him was, and I quote, I just don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's time the public heard the truth. Good luck. Mm. And it is because of Reagan's dealings with those guys, because what, what happened to the main guy? Well, they went after him with a hatchet and threw him into U.S. federal prison. Um basically tried to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the Canadian government was rather torqued off, wanted to know where their citizen was. And they put him in a federal prison. Uh, it got really ugly. And they put unbelievable pressure on him to uh, deny any knowledge he had about these personal effects, et cetera, et cetera. And they were, they had a hearing in front of a federal judge, as it's described in the book, where, they were going to drop him in the darkest hole on the planet and he never was getting out. And he raced past the guards and put a piece of paper in front of the judge. And, you know, they're restraining him and pulling him back in front of his defense attorney. And the judge read the piece of paper and looked at him and said, is this true? And he said, yes. And the judge cut him loose. Now, what was on the piece of paper? Loosely put, it was something to the effect of, I have been operating under executive authority. Meaning that Reagan authorized him to do this, even as a former U.S. president. Wow. And that was, that was enough for the judge to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this cat loose. Now, I posted on the Vellis page uh, yesterday, we have an article that has come out just in the past 24 hours about Mike Pence and the Donald. Now, I realized maybe a few Before years you ago, talk about the, the church sure. thing, I heard that uh, CNN, to prevent any more sexual impropriety or scandals, they are making Mike Pence in charge of all programming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it could happen. Um, yeah, buddy. 
about a year or two into Donald's presidency, I came across some detail about the degree to which Mike Pence has been involved with the pharmaceutical industry. And it's extensive, to put it mildly. And I started thinking at the time, holy crap, it's happening all over again. They've put people inside Donald's administration. Now, again, how much is Donald involved in? What was Donald Trump's real goals? You know, did he understand what was going on? Is he part of it? I mean, these are all things we could we could go crazy trying to get to the bottom of. Right. What what I can get to the bottom of is. You know, the Lincoln Project that was organized against Trump. Uh, this also just recently came out. Uh, the group <laughs> they've of pedos. got pedof- pedophiles in their ranks once again. Um, so the article I posted yesterday, please give that a read. Um, for those of you that are on Discord, uh, it's it's titled The Treachery, the Treachery of Mike Pence. It goes through everything. Uh, General McChrystal, a whole host of other events. My personal favorite, the White House point of contact on the coup response. Uh, Donald, Trump, Donald Trump handed it over to Pence. Pence handed it over to one or two other staffers, and eventually it went to this gal on his staff. And then she later turned out to be a complete and total paid-for hack by both the Democratic Party and the pharmaceutical industry. But again, as I often say, this is not about the Democratic Party. This is not about the Republican Party. It's about what is. And there's a whole host of things that happened to the administration where it was either Pence or Pence's people. So again, regardless of what Donald thought he was trying to achieve or what he may have actually been trying to achieve, Mike Pence was was blocking him at every turn, at least according to that article. Now, with that, if you'd be good enough, the, the clip you're going to play, folks, it's, it's very important about language and perception. We're going to... Um, uh, bear with me just a second here, V. I want to look at. We're going to play this until minute eight thirty. So go ahead and hit play. Got it. Yep. Thanks, bro. It's that here. But what you're looking at here is Webster Tarpley describing this generational idea that we're overpopulated and human beings that are not oligarchs, power, part of the predator class power structure, are really animals okay population seems to grow out of the quest of the oligarch to find a way to define other people as subhuman or non-human the oligarch attempts to say that the common run of mankind the average person joe sixpack is really an animal but the oligarch the people of wealth and family and whatever other criteria that they may want to drag out These are inherently superior. At the basis of it all is this colossal increase in the human population. It's one of the the living species of the planet, but it's, it's reaching plague proportions. So there it is right there. Prince Philip in 1984, ironically, telling you that human beings are at plague like proportions. All right. We're at about 8 billion people on this planet, and Ted says we need two. That guy, at a time when westernized living, okay, usually it was a one-car home, sometimes two cars, a lot less people, a lot less pollution. And Ted Turner will tell you, the reason we have climate change, a.k.a. global warming, because he calls it global warming back when he's talking to Charlie Rose, is because you got too many people doing too many things. Well, Ted Turner and his ilk, Warren Buffett and his ilk, 
okay? Bill Gates and his ilk, Prince Philip and his cronies, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> so who is and why as they get you prepared, not for the track trace database society they already have in place, but a very real transhumanist agenda. And that's why I focus on this so much because things are moving at a rapid pace. These people need to be exposed. And by the way, that film, along with all my stuff, is all free. You can watch it uncensored over at rockfin.com slash Jason Burmis, R-O-K-F-I-N dot com. And we have just expanded. I'm on Spotify now. I'm making these into audio broadcasts. We're putting video podcasts on Podbean. We're trying to expand on this end as well because it is going to take expansion of truly independent media that is not about right or left, but always about right and wrong and exposing what is going on and challenging the great narrative and this great reset agenda that is repackaged global. Let me know when you want me to stop. World order That's all it is. That's all it is. And they want to have their way with you. Can you can stop it now. They yeah. All right. So very, very good piece, folks. It had the uh, husband of uh, Britain's queen with a famous statement he once made about, you know, human beings are a virus. And, and the other part of that interview was, um, you know, he wanted to come back as a virus uh, because all the little people uh, are breeding us off the planet, much like my, my comments from last week. Burmes has, has a good show. Uh, he's, he's, you know, very colorful. Uh, but, you know, it's one of the many people that are out there. And I've talked about this before. Um, we're all a voice and a chorus, you know, as as all of us in the in the alternative. I'm not even going to say media because the minute you say media, it, it gets weird. But all of us who are in this space, um, some are good, some are bad. Some I know, uh, for instance, Polly, uh, she's pretty fried out. Uh, she posted to her fans recently that she needs to take some time off to just go co go cool off. And after the level of depth of research she's been doing, I, I totally can understand why she needs a breather. But this is going to mature. And I, I said long ago, I said, you know, there may come a day when a whole bunch of us are on new forms of media outlets that are are on various channels and things because we sure as heck aren't going to be on uh, aren't on YouTube. Now, this last clip I want to play for all of you, a little color. I've talked about the anti-communist community several times, not just because of my own ethnic background. What we have here is, is this, this particular, I'm going to play clips like this as we go forward. I've got some other songs and things that go back to the, <laughs> to the good old days. But I know for a lot of people, it's like, well, international communism isn't what it used to be. And it's like, well, much like eugenics, it's been repackaged. Uh, eugenics is now called transhumanism, and people in Silicon Valley write articles about it. The socialist or communist movements and what they believe has just been repackaged in academic institutions and by other governments around the world, but it's still about control. Now there's English subtitles in this song I'm about to play. If CJ had been with us, he probably would, wouldn't need them. But um, there's a reference in this song about, about La uh, Cabana. Uh, and that's a reference to a prison in Cuba where after the revolution was over, they put political prisoners. Now, those are those were not just people that were part of Batista's former government. Those were just anybody who disagreed with with what Fidel Castro and the others were doing. Now, Che Guevara oversaw that prison. 
And he not only was personally killing people there, but there's a famous story in the Cuban community. Uh, there was a 14-year-old boy who tried to prevent uh, his father from being executed. And so Che shot the guy and then the next morning shot the kid. Now, I know that's upsetting, but I'm being blunt for a reason. First of all, Che Guevara, there is not a single ounce of reputableness in anything the man ever did. He's a complete ideologue. There's no negotiation. There's no way to deal with people like this. And I know that sounds inflexible, but, but some, is, so, I saw the motorcycle diaries. He's such a nice yeah, guy. Yeah, there's there are some musicians who uh, sent. Uh, there's a there's a well known open letter that was sent by a group of musicians to. Um, oh dear God, a very famous Latin artist who I like, uh, a very popular from back in the '70s, um, where they told him because uh, he was going on and on about the motorcycle diaries and, and they told him in no uncertain terms about all of their family members and what happened to them at La Cabana. And so the reason why I'm doing this folks playing the song is rather uplifting, but when it comes to Che or these people in general, this isn't BS marketing crap out there when it comes to Che. Um, the, these people are as, you know, it's like this is where I'm channeling Gus demos uh, you know, from his experience with the Greek community fighting the communists in the 50s, the list goes on. It's not the international communism we knew, but it's still the same ideas. It's still the same ideology. And it's still being directed, in my opinion, by the same people that are always responsible for this crap for the past 150 years. And that's when we get into what we lose to call the globalists. It's everybody from the London Corporation to others. And it's why I'm in this country living with all of you, and I'm very happy to be here. And I love the United States dearly, as do all of my relatives, and why I'm not speaking to you in Russian. So with that, uh, V, if you'd be good enough to play this clip, we'll, we'll, we'll play this until about minute 2.30.
So I'll have there you go. some more of those for you folks as time goes on. I've got uh, a strange, fascinating collection of clips I'll, I'll play each week. I'll play one each week, I hope to. Um, I've got some from the white Russian community, of course. Um, <laughs> I'll find those. There's, there's no way I'm not finding those. Um, but I've got, I've got some from Romania and Bulgaria. Uh, I've got some from, from other ethnic communities. This, this is an old fight, everybody. This is a very, this is a very old fight. And right. as friends of mine in the Cuban community told me, uh, or more accurately, their fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers and mothers told me, when they landed on the shores of the United States in 1958, they were greeted by the white Russian community. And the exchange between us was, our cultures are radically different, but this is our fight. Your fight mm -hmm. is our fight. Our fight is your fight. We, we have to work together. Uh, it's not just to liberate our homelands. It's because this, this fight never ends. And it will have to go on. I've got I've got one coming also from the Estonians, which, by the way, I love the Estonian flag. It's absolutely beautiful. It's got a deep blue, black, and white flag. The Estonians are a funny bunch. Um, yeah, they're actually Finnish, uh, and it's one of the little Baltic countries. And there's this song they sing about the men of the forest. Now, the funny thing is, here's how hard the Estonians are. When Imperial Russia was occupying the Balkans during the Imperial period. And they were all, you know, what we called the little, the little Russias. Uh, they wanted their independence, but, but uh, we unfortunately were, were uh, keeping them under management. The Estonians were fighting Imperial Russia for their independence. Then Imperial Russia falls, communists take over, and the communists start applying pressure to the Balkans, which eventually, when Nazi Germany invaded uh, Poland, they... Uh, Soviet Union invaded the Balkans and the men of the, of the forest kept fighting now against the Soviet Union. Then the Soviet Union gets pushed back and the Nazis roll in and the Estonians fought, fought the Nazis. Then the Red Army pushes out the Nazis and the men of the forest keep fighting the Soviet troops. I mean, these guys are like Afghanis. I mean, they just won't quit. So... Uh, you know, with props from the white Russia community to the Estonians, um, I've got that song coming for you on a, on a future show. So, um, you know, any final uh, comments from UV and again, to all of you in the audience, we, we appreciate your patience. We're working through a couple different platforms we're using here to present the show. And obviously we need the wizardry of uh, CJ. Uh, we, we did the best we could here uh, today. So we apologize for some of the technical glitches. Absolutely. No, you did great, man. I mean, you broke down a lot, and it definitely compounds what you spoke about last week. I recommend everybody go back to last week's show. If you haven't done so already, re-listen to it. Get your notebook ready, take your notes, and come back and listen to the show again. You're going to start seeing a lot of the pieces amalgamate, especially if you've been following Rogues, you've been following work that Vel's been doing, I've been putting out, a couple other guests that have been coming on that have been putting out. It's a tapestry. It's a mosaic, and it's coming together and the picture starts to make sense. So keep it locked and loaded here, folks. Fellas, any last words? No, sir. We'll be, uh, we'll be back next week, everybody. And uh, uh, by the grace of God, CJ will join us. Um, but have a good weekend, everybody, depending on what part of the country you're in. If you're still digging out from the weather, uh, don't, don't throw your back out. Um, and we'll, we'll see you next week and hang in there.
Tu Hey, buddy. Hey. That was You're odd. still alive. You're still alive. We're, we're, oh, now I'm back. What the heck? Jeez <laughs> Louise. You're still now alive. Now the main thing is back. This is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, now we're off. Are you I sure? It still off. says yeah. live on my No, it says live on my screen. It says go live on my screen. Are we live? I have no idea. We're still live. all jacked up. I don't know what's going on here. This is this is a dumpster fire. We got we got <laughs> we got we got to open a trouble ticket with CJ. <laughs> oh my god, this is just a mess. All right, man. All right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Take care. Be good. Cheers. Bye-bye.